Go back to your seats, and I know that we're going to have the word of the Lord given to us in a couple moments. But before we dismiss the children, I have something that I just want to say before the speaker comes up. I want to alert you to a fact, and I think all of you know what's taking place in that tiny country of Israel. We should be alerted to the fact of what's going on. It says this in Psalm 83. Do not keep silent, O God. Do not hold your peace. Do not be still, O God, for behold, your enemies make a tumult. And those who hate you have lifted up their head. They have taken crafty counsel against your people and consulted together against your sheltered ones. They have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. For they have consulted together with one consent. They form a confederacy against you, the tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Hagarites, Gebal, Ammon, and Amalek, Philistia, with the inhabitants of Tyre, Assyria also has joined with them. They have helped the children of Lot. Deal with them as with Midian, as with Sisera, as with Jabin. And it goes on. This morning I was at the small church. A lot of times we read those things and we don't really understand who they are in contemporary terms. Let me tell you who they're talking about. The tents of Edom are the Palestinians and southern Jordanians. The Ishmaelites are the Saudis. Ishmael is the father of the Arabs. Moab, the Palestinians and central Jordanians. Hagarites, Egyptians. Hagar is the matriarch of Egypt. Gabal is Hezbollah and northern Lebanese. Ammon is Philistines and or the Palestinians and northern Jordanians, Amalek, Arabs of the Sinai area, Philistia, Hamas of the Gaza Strip, Tyre, Hezbollah, and southern Lebanon, and Assyria is the Syrians and northern Iraqis. One thing we do know for sure is that where the money came was from Haran, or Iran. It went through Hezbollah to Hamas. Where is Hamas on the Gaza Strip? It's right near Egypt. And so this morning, there is a war that's going on. And Psalm 122, 6 tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. A lot of you know we had Asher here some years ago, our little guide from Israel. We called him about 45 minutes ago. And he said they're safe, but his son Elon is in the Israeli army. And he says, it's time for us to fight. 600 plus have already been slaughtered. 2,000 to almost 5,000 rockets have rained down on Tel Aviv, have rained down on Jerusalem and in other areas. Soldiers are now inside of Israel from Hamas, taking people captive, parading women with no clothes on, and taking them as hostages. This is significant because we understand that there will be an alarming time before the coming of Jesus Christ. It's up to us to be alert to what's taking place and to understand the time is imminent. We need to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and love those into the kingdom. But more so than ever before, we need to pray for Israel. Can we stand to our feet? I told Asher we as a church would pray. I told him we'd pray for his son, Elon, his two daughters, his wife, Sophie, that they would be safe. So can you pray with me? Father, we come before you today because you are the great God that knows all things. You hold the world in the palm of your hand, and you have Israel as the apple of your eye. God, we pray right now that you would defend Israel. That, God, you would rise up and, Lord, show your strength. Keep the people of Israel safe, God. Use them, God, to show the world how great you are. Lord, let our prayers go forth, God, and let them do the greatest good. God, we pray this now 
the peace of Jerusalem in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody says, everybody says, you may be seated. It is my privilege to bring to this pulpit now a good friend. Um, both him and his wife are true Christians. The Littles are incredible people. Um, they, love, they love people. They come in contact with so many and they help them in their lives by not only presenting the light of Jesus Christ, but just by their warmth. And so Brother Littles is an incredible teacher. Um, he's got his doctorate. He taught at UGST, um, and he is just a phenomenal individual. And I am so, so proud to bring him to this pulpit. So Brother Littles, come. Take your time and let the Lord move through you. Praise the Lord, everyone. Amen. What a treat it is to be with God's people on this beautiful Sunday morning. All over towns across America and many places in the world uh, throughout the day, there are seasons of meetings where folks get together and they start off like this. Someone will stand up and say, hi, my name is Jim. And y'all are supposed to say, and I'm a worshiper. So let's try it again. Hi, my name is Jim. And I'm a worshiper. Are there any other worshipers in the house this morning? Lord, we were once bound, but now we were free. We were once without a people, but now we're a people. We were once in shame, but now we're in delight and joy. We once were hopeless, but now we have eternal peace and hope anchored in you. We thank you, O oh Lord, for the privilege of honoring your name and glorifying your name and lifting up the name which is above all else. We thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Sherry and I, she's my princess. She's over there. We're so jazzed to be with you here today. Uh, since we were here yesterday, uh, stealing a little bit of your chili with a couple, little bit of uh, cheese on it and stuff, and uh, then, uh, yes, I was one of those people that got some shaved ice on a cold day and took a hayride. We survived the trip. Thank you, sir, for taking care of us. But Several things have uh, triggered. When you, when you step into a place, there are defining things that help you situate where you are. Uh, if, you walk into a, if you used to walk into my grandmother's home back in the day, uh, it would be very dark even in the evening, and you would ask, why is it so dark in here? And then you would find out the electric bill came out of her Social Security check. So she wouldn't let you turn the lights on until it was at peril to your life to walk across the room without the lights. So when you walk into a room, you take a tenor of the place and what's going on. Several of the things that have struck me from yesterday and today is how warm and welcoming you folk are. You invited your neighbors here yesterday, and you greeted everyone. Folks greeted me. You didn't know who the strange guy was that appeared, but you just acted like I belonged here, and you did that with all of your neighbors as well. Such a welcoming place, and again, here this morning, uh, greeting and welcoming. Second thing that really got my attention very quickly is the way that this church has all generations represented. During the season of prayer before church, I saw a little fellow about seven years old praying at the altar. I saw elders praying at the altar. And everywhere in between, this church is portraying what the psalmist said, let one generation declare it to the next generation. Let one generation declare to the next generation, and that's a sign of vibrancy in the house. And thirdly, the spirit of worship that's here, the just absolute delight to be in the presence of God. Amen. Delight to be in the presence of God. There was no coercion, there was no, you got to put your hands together now, or scream a little louder, jump a little higher. Some places I wonder if I should have gotten ready for church by going to the gym instead of the prayer room. <laughs> instead, there was a sense of which God's been so good to me, why wouldn't I want to glorify Him and to lift up His name and to worship His name? He's been good to us, Lord. Lord, You've been so good to us. 
I don't know why you loved me, and I don't know why you cared for me, and I don't know why you gave your life for me, but you have been so, so, so good to us. Amen, amen. Last week or so, I've been able to hang around Bishop. Yesterday, we took a ride together, so he was stuck in the car and had to listen to me talk for a little while, so uh, what a treat that is. There's at least one survivor of my teaching half a lifetime ago. Uh, Trusted me when I was a teacher that was much younger, had hair, all of that stuff, back in the day at Kent Christian College. And when I see Sister Ann, I can't help but uh, see her sister Meg and her mom Carolyn, who were both students at UGST as well. And already I feel like I could, I could hang out here a long time because this is a special place to be and y'all acting like I'm family to start with. And the beauty is, is in his presence, everybody belongs here. So many places you go, you're measured by skin tone, you're measured by your body shape, or you're measured by some kind of credential or decree, or whether you got off of a bus or you were driven there in a limousine. All those things, people peg you on where you belong. But here, we all got here by one act, the blood of Jesus Christ. We are not worthy. He is worthy. We didn't earn status. He earned status. So if you're a guest here this morning, you belong here, and the price has already been paid. You don't have to buy a membership. Membership's already taken care of, taken care of by the blood of Calvary. You belong here, and what a treat to be here at Living Word Church on this Sunday morning. Amen. This morning, I want to preach a little bit about joining the revolution. Joining the revolution. People ask me, well, why do you wear bow ties? It's because I'm a rebel. <laughs> she can tell you I wore bow ties before bow ties were cool. Back in those days, they had, uh, I had to give them a regular tie and somebody would sew it into a bow tie for me because I'm such a blazing rebel. Back in the Kent days, one time they wanted the faculty to go along who could play a little bit of instrumental stuff, so we took the, uh, the ensemble along with the choir that year, and I says, well, I got one condition. Y'all got uniforms on this trip, and I got to have a bow tie, or I'm not going, because I'm such a rebel. This morning, we are a rebellious people. We rebel against shame. We rebel against hatred. When the world hates us, we say, I'm not in on that. I absolutely reject the hatred. I rebel against your hatred and I give you love back. Our world's into division. We say, I reject division. I reject Racism and ageism and all uh, ability-isms, people that are worth less to others, we say, oh, no, 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 I'm rebellious against that. I believe all people are valuable, so I'm a rebel against anything that classifies some people as less value and other people as more important. Why? Because we all stand at the same level at the base of the cross. Uh, are there any other rebels in the house today? There may be a Harley rider or two in the house, I don't know, but here's a greater way to be a rebel. Just live for Jesus Christ. What a spirit of rebellion that comes. We will love the world. We will care for the world. We will witness Jesus Christ. We will stand powerfully because He has been so, so very good to us. If this morning I came in and pulled my shirt apart and I had a bear's shirt hiding under this white shirt, I, I might have to get out of town real quick. We all carry those super identities, those identities that we care and cherish. I really feel sorry for the Cubs fans, but... On on the list goes of identities in this world, but you and I are a rebellious people. And I'm asking you this morning, if you are not yet a part of this crazy group of Jesus followers, why don't you think a little bit with me this morning if you're ready to join the revolution? 
Because if you're tired of the darkness of the world, there is light in Jesus Christ, and in Him only is there light. If you're tired of a world that causes shame and pain and anger, and every time you turn on the news or uh, scroll through your news feed, you just see someone else that's done evil. So a picture the other day, maybe you saw too, a video clip of a motorcycle guy with his buddies, stopped at a light, he got off his bike and just jumped up on the car and kicked out the lady's windscreen. Why? Because the windscreen was there, I guess. I rebel against that this morning because we are called by a God who is love and invited into that love. So I want to talk about being that rebellious people. Next slide, please. This is a song, uh, this is a picture that's named Sunday Afternoon uh, on the Island. Uh, pointillism. I, apologies right now for any art majors in the room or any art history majors in the room. None? Okay, so I can get by with all the stuff I'm going to talk about. You probably don't know the difference anyway. If there were any art history majors in the room, then I would have to uh, give apologies for my oversimplification of this art form. This art form is called pointillism. The artists would make series of very small dots, and on their palette would only be brilliant primary colors. It's kind of like your inkjet printer. You only put in three or four colors. And out of that can come hundreds of colors because that inkjet puts these little bitty dots right next to each other. You don't have, you, you don't have chartreuse, whatever color that is. I have no idea. You don't have that color, but the computer can make that color because those dots. That's where pointillism was, the beginning of the 19th, uh, late 19th century. It was in France, post-impressionist kinds of things. They would stand there and make these vivid colors out of just placing these pure colors side by side by side. This painting happens to be six feet by ten feet. It took two years of putting little bitty dots Two years of putting little bitty dots. The estimate is that this painting had 3,456,000 dots to make this painting. The artist stood there for two years. Two years just putting little, little bitty dots. Now, the issue with pointillism paintings is you have to stand at a distance to get the picture. The distance that you have to stand determined by the diagonal size of the painting. So you have to stand three times the distance of the diagonal. So for this specific painting that hangs, hangs in a museum in France, you have to stand 36 feet away to see the picture. If you get too close, all you see is a series of dots and it makes no sense. You say, what a stupid painter. I don't know about you, sometimes I see some kinds of modern art and I say, man, I should have sold my grandkids' paintings when I had the chance. The pointillist would put those little bitty dots there. Next slide, please. Wow, what a painting. As we talk about joining the revolution... Sometimes we look at this world, this globe we are on with its various continents, and I've had the privilege of preaching on all of them except Antarctica. They haven't yet given me an invitation to preach there. So I've been in many different places. I've tasted many different foods. I've drunk coffee and tea in many different people's homes around the world. But to make sense of this world, you have to stand three times the distance of the world away to get a picture of what's going on. You see, you and I, we live in the moment. Matter of fact, this dot represents each of you. You are just a dot on the picture of what God's doing. When we see a world today that's filled with so much chaos and shame and seems like pain and hatred and we're wondering, is there global warming? Is there not global warming? What's going to happen? And now we got another war cropping up. There are actually hundreds of wars going on at the same time or around the world. We say, God, where are you? You and I have to understand you're not going to be able to know unless you're in the position where God is. 
Our little dot is in the middle of the painting. If we want to know what God is doing, the artist of all things, we have to stand at a distance with Him. And say, oh, now I see what's going on. I don't understand how my chaos makes any sense. I don't understand how my days of joy and moments of fear and anxiety and how, how in the world when I come and cast those anxieties on Him and He gives me peace, how in the world does this make any sense? Does anyone else kind of get lost? in your life sometime? What's up with this? Does it make any sense? Get up in the morning, fix a cup of coffee, make the kids lunch, get them out the bus, get on the car, get to work, hurry, rush, push, 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 because there's fewer people at work doing more work than they did before COVID. we got to get it done, get it done, get it done. And then you run home and get the kids in there, get them fed, get them washed, get their homework done, throw them in bed, stay up half the night doing homework. And you wonder, why? Why do I keep doing this? It's in moments of worship like we have done this morning. And we say, Lord, there are days when my life is extremely busy. But every day I breathe is a day that you have made and I have chosen to rejoice and I'm going to be black glad in it. I might have a little bit of pain today, but this is a day that you have made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. We are eighth-day worshipers. We're not seventh-day worshipers. This is not the weekend. When people ask you what you did on the weekend, you can tell them about yesterday's hayride because that was the weekend. You cannot tell them about today because today's the week's start. So you can tell them, on my weekend, I had shaved ice on a cold day, and I had some friends, and we ate chili together after the shaved ice, perhaps. But when you say, oh, and by the way, let me tell you how my week started. My week started with a brand new vision of where God's taking us. We worship on the eighth day because He arose on the eighth day. We worship on the eighth day because He rose. We too will arise. We worship on the eighth day because we're a rebel people. And we say what we see now is not the end of the story. Eighth day worship says, I can already see it's finished. I see dancing around the throne. I see angels taking, our elders taking, their crown and throwing them at the feet. I see innumerable hosts standing around and say, my God was good to me in Wisconsin. And there will be somebody else to say, my God was good to me in Beijing. And someone else will say it was illegal, but my God was good to me in Saudi. And someone else said, I, my life was taken from me under communist Russia, but God was always good to me. Brothers and sisters, I can already see it. Can you see it? Can you see it? If you can see how it's finished, then you got to live like a rebel right now. you got to get up every morning and say, I'm just a little dot, but I belong with millions of dots. And today you're dot and you're dot and you're dot and, and you're dot and you're dot. All of our dots begin to coalesce around an image that represents God's redemptive grace. Scripture tells us you were once nobodies, but He's made you somebody. You were once without mercy, but now you know what it is to live in His mercies, which are new every single morning. Can I sign you up for the rebellion? Now, now, here's the key. When we are rebellious people, we've got to have somebody organizing the rebellion. Okay? We have to have somebody making sense of all the rebellious moves and giving us plans and directions for the rebellion. I'm so thankful today we have a King of Kings and a Lord of Lords and... Pastor, you're exactly right. You need to have an attitude that says, my answer is yes to whatever the rebellious king says to do. So when Jesus came and they started declaring that He was the Messiah, some of His homies, they talked like that back in the day. There's a Hebrew word for it. I don't know what it is. But some of His homies used to say, whoa, finally, we're going to kick the Romans out. And finally, and Jesus says, no, 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 no. 
One day he broke the bread and fed 5,000, and he could sense in the crowd there was a rebellious spirit, but it was a wrong rebellion. Because the rebellious spirit said, we're going to make Jesus king, and he's going to fix it our way. You see, we're the dots, and we're going to control the picture. We're going to make it all happen. And Jesus said to his homie boys, get in the boat and get out of here. And I'm going in the mountain to pray because this is a dangerous place. People have recognized there's power in the house. They want to join the rebel rebellion, but they want to organize the dots their own way. I need a people who are willing to say, Lord, place me where you want me to be in your kingdom. It doesn't matter how long you place me there. It doesn't matter if anybody sees me. One yellow dot. It doesn't matter because he sees me and he's placed me where he wants me to be. And my life gives him absolute joy and absolute delight. Delight. Oh, what a delight it is to be a rebellious people organized by the rebel of all times. Read Genesis chapter 1. It's a rebellious chapter. Scripture says, in the beginning, God, and there was chaos. So God moved over the chaos in a rebellious way and said, okay, light separate from dark and land separate from air and land separate from rivers and whew, let there be light and, and let there be stars in the heavens by night with the moon and the sun by day and, and let, there, let there be some stuff flying in the air. I'm a rebellious God. I'm going to create life that can go through the air. I'm a rebellious God out of chaos. I can bring life out of the depths of the ocean and I'm a rebellious God in the, in the woods and across the plains. I can bring living forces out of nothing, which lets me know here this morning, no matter what you have been through and where you have gone, there's a rebellious God in the house, and He can bring life out of your death. He can bring hope out of your despair. He can bring joy out of your depression, because our God's a rebel God. He loves you so much, He won't leave you where you are. Anybody taste the rebellion? <sighs> Next slide, please. You see, all of our points added together, we make up the church, we make up his body, we make up his temple. You see, our world has this idea you got to stick up for number one. We do too, we just know who the one is. <laughs> you see, we're rebellious people. They say, if you don't look out for you, nobody's going to look out after you. He says, oh, no, 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 you got it wrong. We do stick up for the one. His name is Jesus, and he looks out for me far better than I can look out for me. There's no way 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago I would know where I am today, but I've just said, Lord, I'm going to rebel against nature that tries to control, and I'm going to put myself in your hand. We call that baptism. Baptism says, I'm a rebel. I'm going to die to me so I can be alive in Christ, and I put myself in the Master's hand. Our world says, don't join the church. They're just going to make you a bunch of conformists. And I say, fooey on that. That's a theological term. I paid a whole lot of tuition to say that word. Fooey on that, Mass. The church doesn't control me. The church liberates me as a rebellious man. I rebel against sin, and I rebel against bondage, and I rebel against change so that I can be alive in Christ. And we call that the infilling of the Holy Spirit. If you've not yet been infilled with the Holy Spirit today at Living Word Church, it could happen to you right now. Now, I'm going to open this altar in a little bit, but if you decide right now you want to get in on the rebellion chain, you just stand to your feet and say, Lord, I surrender my life to you. I repent of my old conformity. I rebel and I walk boldly in you. And when you do that honestly, you will be filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit. I declare that right now in the name of the rebellious God whose name is Jesus. You don't have to earn Him. You don't have to deserve Him. He loved you while you were a sinner. How much more now that we are his sons and daughters. Join the revolution. Next slide, please. We are reminding that we are in that revolution. There have been some revolutionaries we've known before. Next slide, please. Maybe this cat, George Washington, is on a dollar bill now. Dollar bill ain't what it used to be. A friend of mine, Jim Booker, who happens to be the district superintendent for Wisconsin, 
I had one of his buddies give me a pencil yesterday because he knows I like writing equipment from back in the day. And this, this mechanical pencil made out of beautiful blue celluloid, circa late 1940s, it still had the sticker price on it from the 40s. One dollar. The dollar. George's picture. Now, he did a lot of good stuff, but George's dollar isn't worth what it used to be. There's another fellow like that in South America. His name was Samuel Bolivar. He, next slide please. Samuel Bolivar was a rebel leader in South America and helped for the independence in South America. Next slide please. Those that know that I'm from Texas know that I have to have William Travis in the picture as one of the guys at the Alamo and gave his life there. Next slide please. Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi was a rebel leader in India, says we are going to be a free people but we're not going to fight. A rebel kind of leader. The next guy wanting liberty in places in Chile and other places. Che, che Guevara, a rebel leader in South America. Next slide, please. Nelson Mandela was a rebel leader who spent most of his life in jail because he believed in leading a revolution against apartheid. These men, and there were women as well, led different kinds of revolution. Most of them picked up weapons. Gandhi did not, but most of them used force of some sort to bring it about. But I announce to you today that if you join this revolution, you're going to be led by one named Jesus. Next slide, please. His, his weapons were different. He, he would reach down and wash some feet. That's what Jesus did as a rebel. He says, I will take on the towel. I will not try to be master. I will serve. I'm a rebellious kind of king. Give me your dirty feet and I'll wash them. Is anybody glad he washed your sins away and cleansed your mind and wrote your name in a Lamb's book of life? Rebel named Jesus. This rebel named Jesus, one day mamas wanted to bring their boys to them, their daughters to them, and, and his homies said, oh, no, 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 Jesus is too important for that. Next slide, please. But Jesus, he took children. He was a rebel. A rebel. Children are valuable. Elders are valuable. I signed a book a couple of years ago for a grad course I was teaching on family ministry. The book was on dementia told the story of a saint of God who had lived for God all of her life, got to the end and she forgot the name of her kids. She forgot the name of her husband. And by that time, she just, with the last strength she had, she would walk up and down the hall. What would she repeat? She said, God, 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 God. She says, I hope I don't forget the name of God, God, God. I can handle all my other losses, but I couldn't handle forgetting God, 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 God. Somebody talk to the sister and let her know. It's not important that you remember at this stage. What's important to remember is that he remembers you. And since you're in his hand, you will not be dropped. It's okay. Proteins in your brain are making your brain forget. But there's a God who will never forget his own. And when you're in his own, you're still in the hand of the rebel leader. So as you go through the end of your days and you forget even how to eat your own food and they have to pump it into you, live as a rebellious person that says, I can still have peace. And if there's anybody in the house that's caring for an elder with Alzheimer's, I encourage you to just go and sing the songs of Zion. Sing the old, you go get a songbook someplace because that's what they used to do. They didn't read the stuff up here. Just go get a songbook and just start reading an old song to them. And all of a sudden you'll see light come back in their eyes because inside of that body there's still a spirit. It's a rebellious spirit. And this disease doesn't own me. I joined a revolution a long time ago. And I am still valuable in this revolution. This revolutionary leader, Jesus, he cares for the kids and he cares for the elder. Next slide, please. This revolutionary leader, he cares for the lepers. The lepers, those with illness at the time, communicable diseases, they would have to walk through villages and say, unclean, 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 and everybody would scatter. Jesus would heal them, but before he healed them, he touched them. 
touch them and then heal them. Why? Because he was a rebel kind of leader. They said, this disease is eating my body. They said, it's contagious. They said, I have to live alone outside of town. But Jesus says, hey, why don't you just let me touch you? And after, after I touch you, I can bring healing into you. There's somebody in the house today, I invite you, that before you come for prayer in a moment, we'll let Jesus touch you right now. Let let his love and his mercy begin to wash over you right now. Begin to feel, my Jesus loves me. My rebel Jesus loves me, the one who paid the price for me. He loves me. Let's, let's just offer the Lord a, a word of thanksgiving now for his love. Lord, we thank you for your mercies, for your love, and for your compassion. We pray right now that the breath of Pentecost wash across this room. Help us to all know we are deeply touched and deeply loved by you, and we receive it now in Jesus' precious, precious, Jesus' precious name. There's somebody in the room right now that there's a brokenness in your spirit, and you're not going to find revolutionary freedom until you let Jesus touch you. Brother Littles, how long am I going to have to pray? How long do I have to stay at the altar? How many times should I repeat Jesus, Jesus, Jesus? None of that earns status with him. All you got to do is say, Jesus, I'm tired of living for me. I'm tired of this brokenness. I'm tired of this pain. I'm tired of this sorrow. If you are truly the, if you are truly the Prince of Peace, be rebellious against the turmoil I feel. John chapter 1 says this. He says, He came as light into the world and light comprehend light couldn't stop it there is no darkness that can stop his light not only did he touch the leper then he went to the cross for you and for me he paid that price for next slide please he paid that price for you and for me he sacrificed his life could have called ten thousands of angels but said i'm going to be a rebellious king i want to be the kind of king that doesn't stand for himself i'm going to be the kind of king that dies for others and the rebel died so the next slide, please, so that he could resurrect again on the third day. Mary, Mary, what you looking for? What you looking for in your fear? What are you looking for in your turmoil? You were there when you washed his feet with your hair and dumped the alabaster box on his head. And it, Scripture says it impacted the whole house. Anybody was in that dinner party, when they walked down the street for days, everybody would... What's that I smell? Kind of go when you go by a good barbecue place, right? Ah, what's that I smell? When they would walk by, I smell something beautiful and clean. And somebody says, well, that crazy Mary lady, she just worshiped Jesus. And now her worship impacts everybody that was in the room. And now Mary knows that Jesus is dead and the tomb is empty. And the gardener, who she thought was the gardener, said, Mary, what are you looking for? And Mary said, if you just tell me where he is, if you just tell me where he is, I'll go get him. And then he said, Mary. And she said, Rabboni, master, teacher. All of a sudden, the rebellion hit. See, she was living in the despair of my hope is dead. But when she saw the resurrected Christ, rebellion hit. There is no despair. And now, because he lives, and particularly now that he's gone away and sent back his Holy Spirit, I don't have to live in despair any time, any hour. I can call on his name. And he's not far away. He is here, right here, right now in the midnight hour when you're in pain and turmoil. Your prayers don't have to reach into the heavens. All you got to do is... Have a hunger for a rebellious king who gave his life for you and for me. Join the revolution. That's what Nicodemus did one day. Came to Jesus and said, you are a mighty teacher. Next slide and then the next slide, please. John chapter number 3, Jesus talking back to Nicodemus. Jesus has answered and said to Nicodemus, Most assuredly, I say unto you, unless one is born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. Those eyes that you have. They're busted. All you can see, all you see is pain. All you see is what you can't do. 
All you see is an endless treadmill that you're walking on. You can't see, but if you would be born again, you could join my revolution because then you could eyes could be open and you could see the power of an almighty God and the kingdom of God and the transformation I want to bring to you. There's somebody in the house today. You have a, a son or a daughter that's not serving God today. You train them in the ways of the Lord and they've walked after the flesh. We are going to walk in kingdom seeing because what I see today is not the end of the story. I see something beyond today. I'm living in a rebel world. I, I see outside of today. Today is not the end. I'm a rebellious one. Because I've been born again of water and spirit, I can see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, Can a man be born when he is old? Can I take on new lens implants? Not just, could I go back into my mother's womb, but could I really think differently? Could I really see the world differently? I've been trained to see this world in one specific way. I think I'm too old to change. Next slide, please. Each of us, it's vital for us to remember that our kingdom point requires faith. For Nicodemus to hear what Jesus was truly saying, he had to get from behind his perspective and take on Jesus' perspective. Right now, I pray that faith is beginning to rise in the house. There's something that says, I believe my life has meaning and purpose if I follow this rebel Jesus, but I have to privilege the kingdom over my personal point. Let me say that again. I have to privilege the kingdom over my personal point. Some of us with cancer, He will heal. And that healing of the cancer is a rebellious act. Because we weren't born to die. When you lose a loved one, it hurts you so much because you weren't born to experience the loss of a loved one. That's become a new normal since sin is in the world. But Jesus, in healing cancer, He reaches into eternity when all cancer is dead. And there's only life and He brings that healing into now. Some He heals now. Some He sends them through the oncology ward for treatment after treatment after treatment. But they're to live as rebels on that gurney in the oncology ward. As the, as the fluids are pumped in with the chemicals or the radiation there on that X marks the spot, blasting them to kill the disease, that brother or sister says, this cancer does not control my thoughts. It doesn't control my emotions because I, I was born again and I see something differently. I may just be a red dot in the painter's brush and I must be in the world right now and I don't understand how this brings God glory through going this cancer treatment, but I will glorify Him whether He brings me back or not. My life brings glory to an almighty God. I'm going to live rebelliously on this gurney. And some after a year or two will experience new life and will experience strength, and others over a couple of years will go all the way to the grave with that tumor, but you know what they will do all the way? They will have a smile on their face and say, God has been good to me. How can you say that? If God's really good, and if God really loves you, why does He let bad things happen? Because I'm a yellow dot, and He's using my life to bring Him glory. So why don't you just magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. You see, when we magnify the Lord together, I'll say, I'll take my red dot, you take your yellow dot, and you take your blue dots, and let's put ourselves on the Master's palette and say, you just plug me into the picture, because I know I have value. You're putting me in your image. You're putting me in your kingdom. I'm a rebel, and I'll stay where you put me. If you made me blue, I'm staying blue. If you made me yellow, I'm staying yellow. If you made me red, I'm staying red. And nobody's going to change my color. Mm, we sang about dancing a while ago. I wish I could. That's. I can't do what you can do. I, that, that's spinning. 
especially if I had all those follicles coming out of my chin the way that worked a while ago. Oh, you were dancing. Sometimes all I got's this. Brothers and sisters, this represents Fred Astaire on the inside of me. There's some, there's some major dancing going on inside of me. Why? Because I've been born again of water and of the Spirit. And what the old eyes saw, that's not real anymore. Because I belong to a revolution says it's going to be all right. On that day, they will all be healed. On that day, all is made new. On that day, the heavens will declare Him and the earth will declare Him. And on that day, out of every kindred and out of every tongue, out of every family, there's going to be those that glorify God. Anybody in on the revolution here this morning? Almighty God, Almighty God, Almighty God, we worship you. I revolt against shame. I revolt against sorrow. I revolt against sin and bondage. I revolt against hatred. I just love talking about Jesus a lot, so now I better race through because I'm going to keep you here forever. Because this rebellion is so cool. Anybody know any leftover hippies? There's a few leftover hippies around, you know. Their hair used to be real long. Now they have that long, skinny ponytail. They use their grandkids' braces, rubber bands to hold that ponytail together because... Every other rubber band's too big, but they're still a hippie. Because they're living for an ideal that came to pass in the 60s and faded, but they aren't giving up on their rebellion. I want you to know right here, right now, if you're 90 in the room, this is a good rebellion for you. Children are learning about the rebellion down in their classes to follow Jesus instead of following what YouTube tells them to do. Following Jesus instead of what sports figures tell them to do. Following Jesus instead of what the intelligentsia on the news tell them to do. They're learning how to be rebels for Jesus down the hall. It's good for them and it's good for us of all ages. John chapter, continuing from chapter 3, Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly, I say unto you, unless one is born again of water and of the Spirit, he cannot... Ooh, we went to a new dimension. Before we were talking about seeing the kingdom, and now we're talking about trucking in the kingdom. Anyone want to peel some rebellious rubber? I have a car that I think could do it. But I don't have that rebel gene in me, so I just, unless somebody tries to pass me when I don't want them to. (laughs) I believe it would be all right for someone here this morning in the Spirit to say, Lord, I, I so love your calling me to walk in the kingdom. I'm going to peel some rubber out of despair. I'm not going to ease my way out of despair. I'm stomping on it right down. I'm dropping it down the gear, and I'm stepping on it real hard. I'm peeling rubber out of despair. Why? Because you're the Prince of Peace, and you came to give me hope, and you came to give me faith, and you came to give me love, which abides forever. And because of that, I'm going to rebel as I enter the kingdom. We are not just called to see the kingdom. We're called to enter into the kingdom. Radically different culture. That which is of flesh is flesh. That which is of spirit is spirit. Next slide, please. How do we put greater importance on the kingdom seeing, understanding, and the kingdom living? How do we, how do we decide to walk in this? I, I pray that this message today adds to all of your understanding of Scripture. And throughout this week, any time despair comes your way, just say, I rebel against that. I ain't putting up with that. Excuse the English. I'm just not putting up with that because I see where this thing ends. He may not choose to give me that $1.55 billion in the lottery. Man, my mama taught me not to buy lottery tickets, but she didn't know it was getting up to $1.5 billion. (laughs) 
I'm not going to buy a lottery ticket. If somebody drop one next to my F-150, I'm picking it up. I am picking it. The Lord may not take away my financial distress, but my financial distress does not own me. It does not define me, and it does not set the trajectory for my tomorrow. My tomorrow was set a long time ago when I joined the revolution, when I was baptized in water and spirit. My trajectory was set on my heavenly home, and I got some ways to go between here and now, but I'm going to walk boldly in that. Next slide, please. Don't marvel that I say unto you, you must be born again. Don't marvel that I tell you, be born of water and the spirit. The wind blows where it wishes. You can hear the sound of it, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. In other words, it's time for somebody in the house to drop the oars and raise the sail. If you're trying to think your way positive out of your despair, you need to drop that oar and just raise a sail. Say, Lord, I don't know how this works, but I trust you. I'm joining your evolution today. You're the one that gives me hope and peace and joy. And I worship this morning with my brothers and sisters. We, we declared your goodness. So right now, I truly believe what we sang. And I just raise a sail, let your spirit blow in me. Healing touch. Next slide, please. There were some geniuses at this Cleveland college that decided that they wanted to raise some money for Habitat for Humanity. So they took a sailboat, and they took the sails off of it, and they took the mast out of it. These two men, geniuses, I'm sure, at the university, So we're going to row this 2,000-pound this sailboat. We're going to row it from Cleveland all the way down to Key West. Going to go from one great lake to another great lake, and we're going to row it up the St. Lawrence Seaway through locks and dams, and we're going to get to the ocean, and we're going to row all the way. You see, some people are rebellion, rebellious in ways that are just different. So I'm asking you a question, is is that the way you want to go or, next slide please, and then the next slide please, maybe you just drop the sails, the oars, next slide, next slide, maybe you just drop the oars, and next slide, get me to a sailboat with a sail on it here, I get blisters on my hand, my back's hurting, there we go. You know, sometimes, I've lived for Jesus a while now, sometimes I've tried to earn my way through the struggle. I, I, can, I can be a little bit tenacious. Once my mind's made up, I can stick to something. That's, that's in my DNA. I got that from my, my daddy and my mama. I can, I can just stick with something. There are times, there are times there are blisters on my hand and my back is bent and hurting because I've tried to earn my way through the crisis and I have to have Jesus remind me, you joined the revolution, didn't you, Jim? Why don't you, you drop your effort to fix it all and raise a sail and let me, let me blow where the Spirit is listing. I put a gift in you, Jim. I want that to work. Don't you worry about the gifts that you don't have. I have a purpose and a design for your life. Use where I place you and don't worry about where I don't have you because all of your fighting against me is just hurting you. Join the revolution. Raise the sail. Let Jesus do that work. Skip a couple of slides till we get back. And Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting... What a rebel. All you got to do is believe. Walk in that faith. Let His wind blow you in the next direction, which is baptism, and blow you in the next direction, which is the infilling of the Spirit. God did not send His world to, Spirit into the world to condemn the world, but the world through Him might be saved. He who believes Him is not condemned. He who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the condemnation. Light has come into the world. Men love darkness rather than light 
because their deeds are evil. We are living in a rebellion of light. We shine in dark places. We do not hide from it. Next slide, please. This is a key. This is a key. Rebellious people. For everyone practicing evil hates the light, doesn't come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. That's living in the Internet space. That's having an avatar so you don't have to acknowledge who you are. That's lurking and finding out what others are doing in sinful worlds because the anonymous place of the Internet, and it's the equivalent of our world today, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does truth, he who does truth, not just believe truth, but he who does truth comes to the light, his deeds may be clearly seen, clearly done in God. Let's stand together. This is what Jesus did in the revolution. He touched the leper. He healed the sick. He opened blind eyes. He raised the dead. He cast out demons. He ate with sinners. He loved his enemies. He rejoiced. He rejected violence. That's what Jesus did in his revolution. As we join the revolution, new birth will be evident in our kingdom seeing and kingdom living. Two slides forward, please. Jesus' revolution today, we're going to care for the sick. You want to be a revolutionary? Find somebody that's sick and care for them. You want to be a revolutionary? Visit someone in prison. You want to be a revolutionary? Let your faith be known in public places, not standing on the street corner condemning folks to hell, but when people ask you the cause of your joy, let them know, I'm a revolutionary. When they ask you, how do you maintain your peace in a crazy world? Because I'm in a revolution, and His name is Jesus. Come and follow Jesus with me. Creation care. God believes in the garden. That was our first command as human beings, take care of the garden. Creativity. When you use creativity in the name of Jesus, whether it's working with wood or some other form of creativity, that is kingdom revolution. You're saying, God made me a creative being, and I'm going to use my artwork for His glory. Evangelism, an entrepreneurial spirit. There are some people in this room that are destined to be entrepreneurs and generate wealth and quality jobs and income for kingdom work. Do it in Jesus' name. Some are using faithful stewardship. All you got is your social security check. But instead of spending your days saying, I'm on a fixed income and I can't do anything, you say, I joined a revolution a long time ago. God's going to take care of me according to his riches and glory. And I'm going to be faithful with the resources I have. You're going to be hospitable to sinners. Some of them you don't frankly like. It's easy for me to be hospitable to people who like me. But when somebody's nasty and mean-spirited, you know why frequently they're nasty and mean-spirited? Because they've been told by others that they've been loved before, and every time they let them down. don't know if there's anyone in the room that does adoption ministry or uh, fostering ministry. Anybody that's fostered a young person knows they are going to be a rebellious, angry people. Because they've been told by every parent and every foster parent before them, we will love you different than the past. And every time they were let down and kicked out and had to go someplace else. So when you tell them, I love you like no one's loved you before, they say, yeah, right. And then they'll steal out of your purse and they'll kick a hole in the wall and they'll run away. Why? Because they want to see how rebellious are you with your love? Or is your love just like the world's love? It has a limit to it. They want to find out now before they open up their heart to you. Let's be rebellious in loving our enemies and rejecting violence. Let's be rebellious in being peacemakers. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. Next time there's anger on your job, you know what your role is? Rebel. I don't know if anybody works for UAW in here and you're on strike. You know what your job is during this strike? Your job is to be a rebel for Jesus. Let's pray for the unions that are on strike. Let's pray for the bosses that are there. Let's pray that things are resolved. Why? Because we are peacemakers. You know where the Lord sends his peacemakers? To places where you need a flak jacket, not a tuxedo. I want to graduate from PU. Peacemaker U. I want to graduate from PU with high honors, nice little cords, reflecting how good I did taking the test. And then I want a tuxedo and go to Switzerland where they haven't had a war in 450 years. If I just eat enough chocolate, buy enough watches, and ski enough, I can keep the violence from happening for another two years. <laughs> Easy to be an ambassador in Switzerland. But if you're a graduate at the top of your class in PU, they don't give you a tuxedo. 
We need peacemakers who are willing to walk into violent places. So sir, ma'am, thank you for graduating from PU. Here's your body armor. Because we're going to send you to some place that needs you. You say, my city, violent. My neighborhood's got problems. There's arguments on both sides of my in the house or in the apartment. And well, Milwaukee's got issues. Wisconsin's, well, put on your body armor. Paul puts it this way. It's a breastplate of righteousness. It's a helmet of salvation. Shield of faith. Why do we have to have a shield of faith? Maybe because fiery darts are coming your way. So what do you see? The threat of death or the rebellious spirit that says, throw enemy what you want. The church of the living God has been placed strategically in this hour, point by point by point. And I believe God has me in living word, church, for this hour, for this time, because God's doing amazing things here. I will not despair when the enemy comes against me because he will raise up a standard against it. Racial reconciliation, fellowship, holiness, hope, and joy. This is God's revolution today. So I'm asking you right now, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, are there any rebels in the house? Is there anyone that's willing to say, I will come and testify to the King today. Put my life right where you want it to be. I don't have to be important. I just got to be where you want me to be. I don't need anybody else to notice me. I just need to be where you want me to be. If you're that kind of rebel, would you come and stand at this altar even now? Would you come and stand at this altar? If you're that kind of rebel, you are signing up for the rebellion this week. The rebellion of this week in October. We've never been to this week before. I don't know what some of you will face this week, but by coming forward in the authority of John chapter 3, you're saying, this is exactly where I belong. I joined the revolution. No matter what, it comes my way this week. Jesus, I will stay right where you've placed me. I will not complain. Troubles come my way. I will rejoice. Because in my joy and in my worship, you remind me that I'm in your hand. And the dot of my life matters. Sir, ma'am, maybe even your family's abandoned you, but your God has not abandoned you, and He has you exactly in His hand, and He's got you right where you matter. Maybe you got three kids, and they're flat wearing you out and draining your wallet. I know it. But you're right where you need to be in the Master's hand. Lord Jesus, right now I lift up these brothers and sisters to you as a rebellious people in the name of Jesus. I lift them up, oh Lord. Lift them up with their strengths as well as struggles and difficulties. Lift them up in your hand, oh Lord, because I can't strategically organize their dots and their places. I don't have the wisdom to know how to prepare every one of them for your will and your plan. But right now, oh Lord, I trust you that our steps, they are ordered by you. And that my life will bring you glory. When a storm comes my way, I'm faithful in your purposes and your plan. And by doing so, my life will glorify. And all my days have been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up. Until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With goodness 
have led me through the fire. 